You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom, this is Chuvah Zupayskem Hasidish Shapsak. It's incredible, really, uh, when you think about the scope, the brilliance of the the great tzaddik that I want to highlight today, the Ruxiri Melech of Din of the, the Bnei Yisoscher, as he's known. And that's going to be part of the story. Why is he called Bnei Yisoscher? His name is not Yisoscher. Uh, so what, where is Yisoscher here? Why is Yisoscher even part of it? Um, and it, 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 he not only, of course, the Bnei Yisoscher is one of the most popular svarim. Uh, uh, I think there's, I don't know how many editions. Lately, there's been so many that have come out. Uh, it's extremely, extremely uh, popular, despite the fact that it's a sort of a weird, uh, it's written sort of a weird way. It's not on the Parsha. It's on the Yomim. It's on the months. And uh, there's sections of it that 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 are, in many ways, um, I wouldn't call it obtuse, but in many ways, you have to wade through it, especially if you're not familiar. And still, the this, this Sefer uh, is, is very popular. Uh, Feldheim is producing a translation of it. But many people don't realize that the, the, the type of brilliance that's on display by Rab Tzvi of the author of, of the Bnei Yisoscher, uh, that same sort of brilliance is also on display in his halachic mentality and his works on halacha. Uh, very similar, in fact. And I think one of and he wrote his sefer on in Yonei Chanukah. Uh, it's Chidusheim or Rab Tzvi on Chanukah. It has. It, it was printed again. I don't have the dates of the original print, but it has been reprinted and redone. And it is a. It is a probably one of. I would say the best uh, of the achronim on complete thorough analysis of those pages of Gemara in the second parak of Shabbos that spell out for us the the, the halachas of Hanukkah. Um, let me let me explain it even better before I get to the major points. What he does is is um, systematically deal with the Gemara itself, the language of the Gemara itself, with of course not just the you know the simple shakavatari, but also with an understanding of let's say possibilities. Uh, and then he goes through the Rashi's, the Taisvis. The rush, well, the riff, the rush. He, he works chronologically. He works with what any with which most people would have standard. He has biurim on the Mordechai, on the shultiki biurim on the Ran. Every uh, and, and he takes it, organizes it, and he after he does his work, he he, he develops the psokim that come out from each section, um, taking it through the the tour. Well, actually, sometimes other Rishonim as well, the Rabbeinu Yerucham, uh, again, who was from Provence, who wrote the, the Sefer told us Adam Bachava, which is, a, unfortunately, a, can I, we could give a whole shir on, on the Rabbeinu Yerucham and why that work um, isn't as well-known and why it hasn't been um, developed as more than it could be. But he, you know, he, he is there with Rabbeinu Yerucham with the tour. And of course, from the tour to the Perushim on the tour, the Beis Yosef and the Bach, there's a section for everything. And in each one, he is building and connecting, developing, cross-referencing, and coming out with, with the Psach Halocha. 
uh, in ways that you know that the Chafetz Chaim would, and, and it's, it's strange, the Chafetz Chaim didn't have the Sefer. I'm sure if he had it, he would have, he would have licked the fingers. He would have, he would have, he would have loved it because it was so uh, perfect in its analysis. The same sort of analysis that the Mishnah Bura himself subjects the sources to. And again, it, it's, it's, it's not fair to compare, but in some ways he's even more, uh, he has a, a courage and a strength in the way he deals with the sources that the Mishnah Bura doesn't always uh, necessarily uh, indicate. So he, he is, and you, one wonders, now he wrote another sefer on, on, on Masech Tzbrochus, the Magid Taluma, uh, which is also a, 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 a wonderful working on the on the sugyas with Piskalocha. It isn't as detailed uh, as the work on Hanukkah, but it again shows you that even if he had he not written anything in the Machshava world that we know Hasidus to be, that contribution would have would would be a towering one to this area of of, of understanding. The this of of Hanukkah through this Gemara all the way into the to the to the last pesach about Hanukkah and how we should actually be involved. So it's 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 not surprising that when it comes to this yom, when it comes to these eight days, he stands supreme. Uh, his uh, great grandson, uh, the uh, the Mincha Saloza, and we talked about him. We're going to talk about him a little bit more today. Um, writes often that in Hanukkah he is supreme. Now he men, he means in Bnei Yisroska, but I think he means in Halacha as well. And you know, before I get to the actual Halachas that he deals with, and that is the Halachas of of where, in other words, is the, what's the difference now that we're lighting inside? Um, how does that change from the time of the original Takana? Is there a complete rule change or not? And the questions I think are going to be very important. How careful does one have to be to light according to the Zman Chazal now that we're lighting Bifnim? Now again, Eretz Yisrael was somehow a whole new space. What happened in Eretz Yisrael is, is, is completely different. Milchaz Lazar took note of it in one of his svarim that Eretz Yisrael, you know, you know, didn't even think about, uh, again, there might have been Again, I read some articles about it. I did some research in the past. There might have been a little bit of a, of a uh, of, of a pushback. Should we start lighting outside? Should we just be mekayim takonos chazal, etc.? Again, I'm I'm not fresh on those sources, but I know that eventually uh, there were. I think so, Benny. I think I think you might remember. I think there were there was a little bit of a pushback when the 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 yishuv people came and the and the different aliyos and they wanted to say, okay, what was says in the Gemara, what it said in the Gemara about b'shasas hakana, we light inside, and this that we see in the poskim that we're lighting inside, it we are we are going to now shunt it to the side now that we're in Eretz Yisrael. Um, and I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a there little was pushback. A, there was a right? polemic about that. Yeah, yeah, there was a polemic about that. Right. I don't know who it was that was pushing and who was uh, against it. I, but but I know that it, now it's it's obviously it, the, the battle has been won. <laughs> yeah, I think Rebekah Yosef might have been involved. Right, I think so. Rebekah Yosef Schlesinger, he was one of the uh, champions of pushing it, right? Yeah, yeah, as usual. 
Yeah, right. Because as you, as you see, and, 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 and I think one of the reasons there's a pushback was because if you look in the Beis Yosef, you could say, well, we're going to follow the Shulchan Aruch. But if you look at the Beis Yosef, the Machaber of the Shulchan Aruch, he's sort of like on two sides on this. He's still indicating, as you're going to see in a minute, that, that you're lighting inside. And the Beis Yosef, of course, lived in Eretz Yisrael, right? And, well, he lived in Eretz Yisrael when he wrote the Shulchan Aruch. Not when he wrote Beis Yosef, when he wrote the Shulchan Aruch, he lived in Eretz Yisrael. And there he doesn't say that we should light outside, and he gives very, he gives very, he indicates that we are still lighting inside. If you read him carefully, um, that he's still talking about lighting after the Zman, and he's talking about, like, he, he doesn't do it as obvious as the others. But the point, though, is, is that outside what happened in Eretz Yisrael uh, that occurred already, we know the reality was people were lighting inside. Now, how does that therefore change in terms of time, in terms of menorah placement, etc.? That is really the issue that we're dealing with. And, and I guess what I would ask is a practical question is, first of all, do you have to push yourself to light as close to the time that the Gemara indicates as not? Do you, should you make efforts, you know, we talked earlier before we started recording about the type of efforts we might make uh, to fulfill something, even though it's quite difficult to fulfill. Should we try to do that to, to get home, for example, to leave at a certain time in order to fulfill that mitzvah as, as, as properly? Should we try to beg our bosses that to let us go early from work because we want to try to fulfill the time that um, that the uh, that the Gemara indicates um, is, is would that be would that be called on? Would you at least be able? To, should, should you have that conversation? Uh, obviously, the Shulchan Aruch says that you can light after the time. The question is how crucial it is to try to light in the proper time. That, that's one thing. Second thing, where this question is is very important, of course, is where do if you're lighting inside, how important is it to light? In a, in a place that the B'nai Rishos HaRabim can also see. How, in other words, how important is to put the menorah in the window? How crucial is that? Is that something that... Now, I have to tell you, the Mishnabura, despite the language of the Ramah, uses other achronim like Rabbi Yaakov Leiberbam, the Derachayim, and the Chayadim, and others, to push this idea that despite the words of the Ramah about, yeah, we're lighting inside, it's all about inside lighting, uh, the Mishnabura, you know, armed with the Litvisha going the, the Chayodam and, 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 and Rabbi Yaakov of Lisa, uh, pushes consistently, although it's not in the words of the Shulchan Aruch, and perhaps, again, it might be in the Prima Godam, but I'm not 100% sure, that one should do whatever he can to light in the window, and the window's the best place. Even though that's not what, it doesn't say that in, doesn't, the Ramah does not say that in Shulchan Aruch. What, according to, um, what would the Bnei Yisoskar or Rutsila Melchadinim say as far as that goes? Um, uh, in terms of lighting, uh, in terms of lighting in a place that the Rishos Sarabim can see, how how crucial is that? Is it a hidur? Is it important? Is it wrong even? Especially if, again, he doesn't mention this, but I can tell you, many people, their major, in other words, they are the window that faces the street, is not the window where most of the um, living of the home occurs. Now, there are people that have a living room with a bay window, and they'd anyway be sitting there, and the question is, should they open the shades or whatever, or are people looking in? 
But there are many people that, although they might have a, a guest room or some other window that faces the street, but the, most of the living that they do is in someplace else. Would you tell that person, would you direct that person to light in a window, even though you know, they are not even using that room or hanging out in that room? And that's not the normal place where the family gathers. That would be the question. My sense is from the Mishnah Bura, who's, who's later, of course, than the than the than the Bnei uh, and the Achronim that he quotes, he would say yes. I don't think, however, that is the Psak of the Ramah, and, and I think this is, is still an important issue for many. How important is it? When to light and where to light, and how how have things? The fact that we don't do it the way that it's mentioned in a Chazal normally, how does that? Uh, the way we're doing it, what are the parameters? And that's really the halachic question, one of the questions I want to deal with. Now, before we get to the, um, the, to the, to Ratzvi Melech specifically, I just want to just uh, answer something, say something that's sort of a mystical idea that uh, I think is fantastic. But um, they, they say that, um, And they bring it down, his family, that Tzviyah Melech always felt something special and powerful about Hanukkah. As a young boy, as getting older, he found that the work that he produced, the one that we're going to be uh, delving into a little bit, was a work, was, was, was a byproduct of an incredible intensity and energy that he had about Hanukkah. And he was always wondering about it. He was wondering about why he was so connected to that, the chidushim that came to him. Again, I, I guess if you do a study of the of the volume of material on Hanukkah versus the volume of the other holidays of the Yisrael, you might find there's more stuff in Hanukkah. Again, I haven't done that study, but clearly this was something that was churning within him. And he was working on his sefer. He was working on putting these ideas together. And Hanukkah was always so preeminent. So he, was, he, he decided that he was going to visit his Rebbe, uh, who was known as Rabbi Yaakov Yitzchok uh, of Lublin, the Chayza of Lublin. The Chayza, of course, means the seer of Lublin. And, um, you know, unique, I guess, in some ways, it, like we would say every Rebbe in a way had Ruach HaKodesh, but Nechosa's name was the man with Ruach HaKodesh. Um, you know, he was, that was sort of, was like it was dripping out of him. You know, he would look at you and be able to tell who you were, what you were, what the Shorish of your soul was, what Gilgulim you came from. Um, that was the gift. Again, there is a, there is a tradition that Nechosa inherited this from his Rebbe, uh, the Noyim Elimelech. Noemeli Melech gave the Chayza his his gift of 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 of, of super sight into the past. So anyway, the the Bnei Yisus was going to the Chayza, and uh, what it, of course, like all Chassidish stories, which before he even opened his mouth, the Chayza knew, of course, what he wanted. And the Chayza said, "Look, I know you've been thinking where you're from, and you've been thinking that you are from. Maybe you're wondering, are you from the Kohanim?" Because the Kohanim, of course, were the heroes of Hanukkah. So maybe you are from Shevet Levi or from the Kohanim. He says, you're not. However, you're from the Bezdin of the Hashmanoim. The Bezdin, in other words, the Talmud HaChomim, 
who were there in Bayesheni, who, um, you know, uh, on the heels of the victory that the Hashmanoyim were able to accomplish, understood how to put it in perspective and craft the mitzvahs of Hanukkah, you're from that, uh, from those, from those people. And then the Chayza told him, because that was from Shevet Yisoster. That was from, now again, there's a whole discussion about in Bayesheni, what was the, how, what amount of Jews from various tribes were back. Uh, the Ramban discusses this in the beginning of Masechus Megillah, and he says that there definitely had to have been um, at least a modicum of, 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 of representatives of each tribe that came back. They didn't all, the, there wasn't a complete um, uh, uh, exile of the 10 tribes that nobody from those other tribes came. There was a group, um, you know, supposedly Yermio went and, and, and was able to gather them uh, and bring some of them back. And there was enclaves of that. And you would say, if the, based on what the Chayza was saying, that some of the Bnei Yisoskar, in other words, the people from Sheba Yisoskar, were, were sitting on the, that Bezdin Sanhedrin, as it would be of the Chashmanoyim. And he, Tzvi Melech, was a descendant or connected in his soul or was from Yisoskar. And that's why, once he heard that, it explained to him why he was such a Hanukkah, um, uh, so so enraptured and so involved by Hanukkah, because that's where his people had really fashioned the holiday. And it also gave him the name for his book. So that's why he became, so so really all of this is really, uh, again, all uh, tied up together as it would be. So let's show you, I want to show you here, we'll start with the tour. Um, the tour says in, in Hilchas Hanukkah that when, it, when there's a question, of course, where do you light near Hanukkah? The Gemara says that if a person has a home, a large home that is, let's say, takes up the eastern side of the street, of the, of the square, and also, let's say, the northern side. So he's got a house that's a corner house, and there are two entranceways into the house. So the halach is a person needs to light in both spots because of Mepnei Hachshad, because there are people that are going to be walking on one side of the street, but don't turn the corner and say, hey, why isn't this guy lighting his Hanukkah lights? So the tour writes there, when he, after he quotes that Allah, he says, Kosov Balatruma Lididon Shematlikan Bifnim, the Balatruma, a Rishon who was before the time of the tour, but from the Ashkenazi Rishonim, um, you know, from the period, I think, even before his, before his father's time, a 13th century Rishon, not a 14th one, a 1200, uh, in the 1200s, the Balatruma. Shematlikan Bifnim, Afila Bez Mehen. Yeah, we light inside, you don't care. So the Baba Truma writes, and this was a collection of a German, a safer collected from, you know, from the people who were also from the Baliat Thesis. Um, I think it's Rebaruch of Germaisha. I think so. I think so. I think it's Rebaruch. I think the safer Truma is Rebaruch of Germaisha. I think so. I don't know. I have to look it up again. But anyway, the point is, is that the Hamiyadim. We don't care about the people outside anymore. So in other words, in the period of the Rishonim, uh, the Balatrum, no, nope, we don't light. We light inside, that's it. 
We don't care about other people. Who cares? It's not about the people outside anymore. So the uh, the tour disagrees. He says, no, the truth is, try you should light in both places. Because there's still there's still people, because you light very close and you open the door a little bit, and in a sense, people outside are looking. So we see that the tour writing, again, he started, of course, in Germany. Uh, I think he followed his father uh, to Spain, I believe. Um, but he says in this period, he says, we're also lighting for the people outside. There's people outside as well. So we already see during this period about, you know, which, which stretches over about 150 years. Well, what's happening? Are we lighting only for people inside or is it also a little bit for the people outside as well? Well, the tour says we light for the people, seems like we're lighting for the people outside. So the Ramah right away says that, he says, it seems that in the tour's time, people lit, right? They opened their doors and people walked by their homes and people could see in their open doors the menorah, the Hanukkah. And he says, that's also what you see in the aforementioned Rabbeinu Yerucham, the Ramah. And the Ramah quotes the whole Rabbeinu Yerucham, and here it is. Va'at, and again, there are many Yerucham again, is the generation before the tour. He says, Va'at, uh, no, okay, 30, 40 years before the tour. Nogu lahadlik mi bifnim, lepesach hasomach rishusarab. And we're lighting inside, but the door is open, and it's where the rishusarabim is. Some, again, assuming in Provence here that he's referring to that they had a courtyard in front of their house, some do not put it close to the street. Why? Because we know there's bands of, 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 of non-Jews and even you know, uh, the type of Jews you don't want to hang out, thieves, the Ain Regilun and therefore we don't want to light close to them because who knows what sort of problems they're going to make. They're not a sakana, but why should we have our Hanukkah stolen? Why should why should we you know give people a reason to come close to our house? This is very interesting. It says another reason why we don't light right on the outside when we have a courtyard, and from the courtyard you could go into Rishusarabim, is because where would you light? The whole idea is that you want the menorah and the mezuzah to, to surround you. Well, we don't put, the Rabbi Yerucham says, we don't put our mezuzahs anymore uh, right to the Rishos HaRabim. Why? Because the Goyim steal it. So the non-Jews, the Christians, whoever they were, um, would, would actually rip the mezuzahs off the doorways. And however, the inner doorway the one that was closer to the home, again, they, 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 weren't, uh, uh, they weren't prowlers that would come into your house, but things that were close to the Rosh Hashanah and they would see the mezuzah there, they would rip the mezuzah off. That was the anti-Semitic, you know, the hatred that they had to the mezuzah. However, the mezuzah that was in, close to the house, that would make sense. So therefore, um, the minag was to put it with open the door, and, and you can still, as you can see, still see, but you'd have to like stare a little bit into the into the chotzer. So he says, 
Yeah, there's so people can see it, even though it's inside. But the Ramah says things have changed now. The Ramah writing in the 16th century says, we're in a home, the home that's that's our that's sealed off for the winter, meaning the house, which is really our, our winter stay where we're gonna hibernate and be here. I mean, we will go out, of course, to do our things, but this is our home. That's really inside. And of course, there, the base of as he calls it, there's no hecker for the people at all. It's nothing to do with the people outside whatsoever. And therefore, based on that, the Balatruma is correct that you only have to put it in one spot there. In fact, he says, the Ramah, that you don't need to be Nizar to light near your own door, even on the inside. You don't have to to keep your door open and you don't have to light uh, near your door. Because who cares? It really doesn't make a difference. Why? Since it's only for the people inside that are in the room and they know what's going on. So therefore, the Ramah says the reality uh, of the time that Shulchan Aruch was written, when the Ramah lived, at least for the, the Jews, the Ashkenazi Jews there, was, it has nothing to do with the people outside at all. Okay. Um, now that has to do with where you put the menorah. What about the time that you light the menorah? Okay. So, um, the tour writes uh, that, um, and the Beisios of the Shulchan Aruch follows him, that he doesn't say the things, he says you need to light at a time that's called the end of Shkia. Okay, so this is a pretty complicated issue, exactly when that is. Um, the Vilna Gon, knowing that that's not what the Beis Yosef says, writes here that that's right when the sun goes down. But the Beis Yosef himself, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, if you read him carefully, you can see that he and the tour believe that this is not when the sun goes down, but it's actually um, about 15 minutes, about 13 minutes before the time we call Tzai Sokolchom. So, for example, the first night of Hanukkah, November 29th this year, uh, that would be approximately, if you look on the Maizmana, that would be approximately at, uh, we're, we're talking about uh, the time for lighting according to um, the, uh, the uh, at least in this area, would be up in the Northeast here in New York, would probably be around um, 5.03, I believe, uh, and uh, which is about 10 or 15 minutes, 10 or 13 minutes before it says the so that's when you would light. Sofshki is Achama. And it would, have to, it would have to last, as we know, a half hour. Because that's what the Rishonim say is the shear of the Shem. It doesn't say that in the Gemara, by the way. It never says the shear of The Rishonim say that. And this is what the Torah quoting them says. Now, and the reason why it's then, because people can see it. You can presume any People are coming to their house. People shoving the rowing. Okay. Shavim Verowen, people who are passing by, people who are coming home from work, they're able to see it, they're walking to their house. Okay, and the the amount of oil has to be that amount as well. Now, he then says, he says, the tour then writes that even though that's when you light it, 
He all, but he still indicates that if you miss that time, you can light later than the time that people are outside. Again, remember, we saw the tour before, that you're lighting for the people outside as well. That's what the tour's opinion is. Um, however, there's still a mitzvah to light, even though you can't be mafarsim to anyone outside. There's still a mitzvah to do it all night. The Rambam writes that, and the Rambam's writing, and he doesn't indicate that there's any difference between uh, places, that if a person doesn't light at the proper time, you do not light. It's, it, you've missed your chance. It's all about being mafarsim to the people outside. The tourist says, well, that's not true. Even though we try to get people outside, but even if the people aren't there, there's still something about lighting inside. So, so the tour, once again, is in the middle, right? The tour says you light for the people outside, in a way. It's still inside, so you try to do both. You try to fulfill, in some ways, the Takana's Chazal, but it's not, the Rambam might have been right in the time of Chazal, but since things have changed and we're lighting inside, therefore, that allows us to light all night and with a bracha. Now, Abedei Sosko is actually going to talk about, can you really light all the way? Can you light? How about if it's 20 minutes before? Can you light after Agos HaShachar? How about if it's still dark? These are questions he has based on this opinion. The Torah quotes Taisus that says, that you don't even have to try to light that way. So once again, Taisus is like the Bavatruma that says all these laws don't apply anymore. We're only lighting inside. You don't have to come home early. You don't have to be medactic at all. Because it was only for them. We don't light inside anymore. So therefore, there's no reason to be makbit. So you don't have to, there is no hedor even of lighting bizman. Now, he quotes one of the Baliatosis the tour, the Sefer uh, Mitzvah, that's the Smag, or Moshe Mikutsi, that says, you should still, again, obviously, you, know, you have to have people up in your house. Nochon lahaduk ba'o b'nei beso n'urin. Again, uh, I don't know if the B'nei Sosman makes the diuk of nochon lahadlik, but it sounds from here that if you come home late, <laughs> you know, you might not even have to wake them up. Nochon lahaduk ba'o b'nei beso n'urin. At least the people should be up when you're lighting. But that is the opinion of the Baliat Taisvis, the Sefer Atruma, the Sefer Amitzvis. Again, they were writing perhaps in their area, but at the time of the tour, he says, no. You need to try to be careful. You need to ask the boss to come home early. You have to light at the time of Sofshkia, which again, according to him, would be around uh, 10 or 15 minutes before, 10 or 12 minutes before Tzayzok uh, Ochavim. Even though you're Madik Bifnim. And then he says, why? Because we're not just doing it for the people inside, there's also people outside. So again, we go back to, and here the Ramos says that the Ramos says, no, Bismana Zain Lochush. And he says, nobody is Makbid anymore, Bachkiya anymore. 
And that's what he writes in the Minogim, uh, the German Minogim, Rabbi Sikterna, etc. That, yeah, we're not Machbid. So, however, they do say you shouldn't be, you shouldn't do it before, you know, do it before you eat. Now, so that is the, the, the uh, again, once again, we see the same pattern. Things have changed, but, or have they? Or maybe there was a machlekas exactly what does it mean during that period? Do you, should you try as much as possible to let people know? Or, you know, once we, it's not for the people outside, it becomes a total different rule change, a total different mitzvah. Um, the Mario writes, this is all the Ramah quoting the Mario, of course, who was the, the Paisik that the, the Ramah really felt was the prominent one that the Beis Yosef forgot about. Um, Rabbi Yaakov Malon, that and it was put together by his students who put it together of the Menhagam that really used to do. And it says that the Maril would always like, despite the fact that he lived in those places that seemingly were not being Madlik for the B'nai Rishasarabim at all, they would still light at the time of the original Takana, which seems to be illogical, right? No, it's, even from the tour itself, the whole reason the tour says you should try to be medakti is because we are still trying to do what we can. We can't put it outside. Again, let's take Rabbi Yerucham as, as, as a proof because we know we have these, these vandals, we have these people, right? So it, it's not exactly putting on your table. It's not shasakana like the Gemara talks about. It's sort of someplace in the middle. And therefore, these Rishonim felt, especially when they read what was the attitude, and you see from the Rabbeinu Yerucham, it's a pretty bad attitude. <laughs> they, they, they rip your mezuzahs off, and they do other stuff, and, and they bother us. But you still want to somehow send the message to the Jews that live in the area uh, about what this nace means. And therefore, that is the, 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 that's the rationale to have to light at the time when people are coming home, and, and to light at the right spot. I think that the uh, that, that the Maril that the Ramah is quoting here is some other idea, which is that you light, even though you're lighting totally inside, in a way it's still in the spirit of what Chazal wanted, even though the reality is that it's the people inside the house, but there's still something about the way they crafted the mitzvah that it should be done at the right time. So even though it's totally for the people inside, and it's going to be somewhere in the, in the house where nobody outside sees it, it should still be done at the time that, that is parallel to that time when uh, it was lit outside. Now, the... Um, okay. So, much of this work, although I sort of did it myself, was also done by Ritzieli Melech Abdinov. But he also actually develops it even even better. And um, let me show you that. All right. So um, one of the things that Ratzio uh, Melch zeroes in on is his analysis of the language of the Rishonim, how they're somewhat different. You have Tosfa saying, Ein ladakdeg, Ein lahakbid, Ain lochush, ain sarachli zahir of this. Um, in the Mordechai, though, the Mordechai writes that a little bit of a different language. 
אונו שמדליקן בפנים ואין הקרא, יוכל להדליק. So this is, most of us, I think, would have just classified them all together. Especially if we're working historically and we're saying, yeah, the Mordechai is together with, with the other Rishonim in Germany, etc. Um, but the B'nai Yisoskar makes a big deal about this. He says, hmm, it doesn't say, the Toysavis wrote, and the Rosh used languages like Ein Lahakbid, Ein Ladaktik. He says, you're allowed to light. You're still able to. So therefore, according to the Mordechai, Yochalahadlik means we'll let you do it. Not that it's a it's, it's a nice thing, and that really you don't have to worry about it, but it's good to be like the Mariel and do it. No, Yochalahadlik tells you we'll let you get away with it. But Miyikaradin, you have to go with Takonas Chazal, take a Fashkia. Now, what changes, though? What changes, if you look in the Mordecai, as you can see, what changes is that it's no longer the 30 minutes. It's no longer the 30 minutes. It goes all night. But you have to start at the right time. Now, so he has the Mordecai. Uh, So again, what we have over here is, of course, the tour, the Mordecai. Again, can we, uh, can we undo the Ramah? The Ramah says that really you don't have to be medactic on when you light. Yeah, the Mariel did it. It's a good thing to be Zoyer. But it, 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 can we say there's something wrong with not with lighting later? Are you considered a Shtikopashaya? Should you make any efforts really if it seems like it's difficult? So the B'nai Yisoskar feels, yes, you should. And he builds it based on his reading of the Rishonim. Mordechai number one. Um, then he has another Rishon. He quotes the Ran in Shabbos. The Ran also says, the Ran has his own version of Tosfos. Let's take a look. The Ran quotes Tosfos. Davke b'dorish shavayen sheyamadwikin b'bachutz. Aval achshav sheyamadwikin b'bayis b'bifnim b'chol shayta b'shayta zmanayu. But that sounds like you don't have to care. Why? Because, like Tosa said, because the people inside see it and they're very excited about it. But he says, So now we have another reason. So, now, that means, what does it mean, Zrizen Magdim? It doesn't mean that the Zman of the Mitzvah has to start at 503. That's true. However, because of Zrizus, you should definitely do it. Which means Zrizus means you want, don't you want to show love of mitzvos? So Zrizus should force you to, to light on time. Now, then the Bnei Yisoskar says, so we have the Mordechai, we have the Ran. What would be a difference between the two? So he says, if you say that in a way, you're fulfilling the main takana. So then, or you could say, why should I light exactly as close to Shkia as possible? Because of Zrizos. Let's say at that time, there's another mitzvah. Let's say there's another mitzvah you could do. So if you say there's, that Ner Hanukkah also is meant to be done 
properly in the time. And we're trying to fulfill that aspect, even though we're doing it for the people inside. So even though you have another mitzvah you could do, you should light Ner Hanukkah first and then do the other mitzvah. Because Zrizus, Ner Hanukkah is better than just Zrizus. Zrizus is just a din. Every mitzvah should be done as quick as possible to show how much you love mitzvahs. But here, Ner Hanukkah is built on being done at this moment. And that's the main way to fulfill the mitzvah. It's the best way to fulfill it. Therefore, even though there's another mitzvah, you do Ner Hanukkah first. But if you say the reason why you would want to light Ner Hanukkah at the time is because why not be a Zariz? So then if there's another mitzvah involved, then why, why is Ner Hanukkah better than this other one? Now, you want to say that Neiris Hanukkah is presume Nisa, and therefore it's a very beautiful mitzvah to be Zariz in? You're being mafarsim to everybody in the house? he says, But if you can light later, that you won't push the other mitzvah away. Right? Um, so according to the Ran, the way he explains it, you, whatever Zariz, there's two ways you can be Zariz. Be Zariz in this other mitzvah, especially if it's a mitzvah that you can't do all night. For example, Davin Marif. Because we know um, when it comes to davening Mariv, after Chatzais, it's considered to be the Eved. That's not true if you weren't like the Ran on Ner Hanukkah. On Ner Hanukkah, the only reason why to do it early is because of Zrizus. But you have the same Kiyom no matter what time. Well, Mariv, you have to get done by a certain time. You have to finish Mariv by, by Chatzos. So therefore, you would be you should daven Mariv first, because now there's this Rezus in the mitzvah of, of saying uh, of of tefilas arvis. Whereas if you hold like uh, if you hold like the the Mordechai, then you would definitely do uh, you would do near Hanukkah first, because Zrizus is a secondary aspect. Zrizus is an aspect that's true by all mitzvahs, but if near Hanukkah it's built on doing the mitzvah at this time, then that's the essence of the mitzvah is to do it right now. So that would be, he says, there's an afkamina between the two. Um, he comes up with some other nafkaminas that um, in terms of uh, in terms of learning Torah uh, and, and other things, in terms of whether you can start to learn and whether you can have a shomer, uh, to tell you, hey, it's time to light. The um, the it's interesting that the um, the Bnei the himself. When did he light? Um, so he light he lit as according to the Shulchan Aruch Shita. And his, his great-grandson, I just want to read this because it's, it's, it's a beautiful piece. Um, his great-grandson uh, brought that down, the, uh, the, um, the, the Munkatra. And he says he would do it, he would daven Mara first, because remember, there's a Machlekes, 
And according to some Rishonim, it's not a din in the mitzvah itself, it's a din in Zerizus. But he would daven mariv, maybe even daven mariv a little bit early, and to make sure that he could do Adlokas Hanukkah. Okay. Um, now. So the Bnei the the Dark Eichuva, a son, Nuchas Elazar says, "Shamati echad me Ashkenazim amisnagdim shetoma al minagachsidim v'tzadikim admoyrim shedliku neiris Hanukkah kamo beishos achar tzeisakolchavim." Why is it that it's known that the Rebbes would late two hours after tzeis? Um, now it's true the Ramos says that you don't have to be nizar. But since the Ramos says also from quoting them, I really, it is good to be Zoyer on that. Well, you're a Rebbe. In other words, the, the, the argument was Rebbe, uh, isn't Hasidus meant to be medactic on things? All right. So it could be there is the sheet of Tosis is still true, Bismanazeh and the Bala Truma, that we don't have to be medactic uh, in the Ikra Mitzvah. But it still is a hero, says the Ramos says. It's still something to light better, according, especially as we see the, the sheet of the Torah, Ben Yerucham that there was something about lighting Bisman, and even if it's and like the Maril, you should light on Bisman. Why aren't the Rebbe's doing that? <laughs> they wait. You know what they're waiting for? They're waiting for to have a big Oilam. So they could say Toiro and Zmiras. And because of that, what type of Narish guide is this? This was the argument. I don't know who wrote this. But uh, it sounds like somebody at the time of the Minchus Elazar uh, printed a screed against what the Chassidim were doing. I'm not sure where it was written, where it was printed, but it sounds like it, as he says over here, that Echor me Ashkenazim misnagdim. I don't know. It'd be interesting to zero in who that, whoever that was. But he seems to have a good point. What's going on? So he says, I want to tell you, first of all, that my great-grandfather, he did it right after Mariv. However, his children and all the tzaddikim, even the Divrechaim, who was the king of, 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 of Halacha and, 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 and glory as a great Rebbe, the, the Divrechaim, they actually would light hours into the night. Because they would really concentrate and they would work themselves into a, a into a, a, a holy frenzy to be able, I don't know if that's the right word, but to be able to do the mitzvah so properly because they knew what was going on was revealing the oragonus, was revealing the, the, the hidden light from the beginning, the supernal light from creation. And in order to do that, in order to be able to be a conduit and to be able to, 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 be able to bring that light down, they needed hours of preparation to be able to do that properly. That's the um, simple, well, that's what they would say the reason is. Simple, it's not. V'im Taymar, so you might say, the Munkatra says, It's all right, all right. Can't you get ready by that ready? Okay, you have to get ready. But you know the mitzvah, you know the zahirus, and you know the shitas rishonim and the achronim that say this is special to do it specifically at this time. So why aren't you doing it then? He says, don't, that's not a question. Why? The main thing is pirsum. Like the Mogan Avram says, when people are around, 
that people aren't around the Psaq of the Mogan Avram is that you don't light with a bracha if nobody is up in the house. You have to have people. Um, but that's only true because who are you? You're a householder. You have a home. You have a wife. You might have children. You have other people at home. So the mitzvah is unique to that unit. But people who are in the public sphere, people whose lives are dedicated to the public, people who live for the public, who are avodim to the public in a way, the Rebbes, they're different. They have a job. They're mimunan atzibur. It's important and they see that they need something bigger than what's happening at home. They need to by coming, they need to have the Ner Hanukkah strengthen their Amuna, strengthen their belief, strengthen their Kedusha. So they need a Pursume Kacha Bereva Madras Melech. Not that the Reb is the king, but that this is for God. To show the people the idea of this light that comes from the unending power of God, the creator. And the more people that you have there, you need to say over Torah about this point, and it has to be connected. In other words, again, obviously what you can just do is light Neiris and then call the people and say, you know what you just did? No. But you actually have to have all this Torah not just the singing that he's talking about, but especially the Torah that's so holy and special about the Oragonus and the Orin self, and to do that while you're writing the Nir Hanukkah. So, Alkein, Im Kavanosei Vashem Shamayim, Achiyelchu Abnei Oilam Lubeisam, Waduk Nir Hanukkah, Yitzah, Seichem and Ashuk, the Rebbes are waiting for their Hasidim, the people who are going to go to their homes. And he knows that, and the Rebbes are also waiting because there's other workers, Nebuch, who can't light Bizman, who because of the oil parnosa that's difficult on them, they have to come home late. But there are also people that the Rebbes love and want to be connected to. I want to give them time to come and to hear what is Ner Hanukkah about. Because by coming, they're really, they're, they're goals and darkness is going to be illuminated. Because by here seeing the Rebbe light and hearing the Torah that goes connected with it. And that's what the Pursume Nisa is. And he quotes the Gemara Numa that the Gemara questions, what's the mitzvah? There's no greater mitzvah. Or says, yes, Bereva Madras Melech makes the mitzvah greater. He says, for sure, when it comes to Ner Hanukkah, the amount of people is, is, makes, is, a, is an essence part of the mitzvah. Every mitzvah that's done by Reivam, you could say, oh, it's like Zrizan. It's an aspect of a, it's an aspect you can apply to any mitzvah. But the Munkatra wants to say, Chiddush, that when you have a, a mitzvah that's built on Pursume Nisa, like near Hanukkah, so Bereivam is an chaluk of that mitzvah itself. It's, it, it, the mitzvah is essentially greater with more people there than with less people. And therefore, since the Rebbe has these people and they're coming to understand what Hanukkah is, so it's better to wait 
to everybody should come because that's the purpose of it. So this, it's interesting that his great grandfather did not say this. I mean, I don't know how many chassidim he had by him. I don't know how aware he was of the people coming to him. Um, but it, it, it's 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 quite strange. But again, you know, it's it's a, it's 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 an apologia, I would say. But it's a very interesting, beautiful one in terms of how he, he you know tries to explain the purpose of of what why we light near Hanukkah and especially in light of a Rebbe. But it's interesting that that it was only the generation after the Bnei Yisrael, not he himself. Um, I want to just end with one little point here. Um, where do you light? Now, we said, of course, you light inside. Now, what's interesting is that there is a, uh, the Bnei Yisrael himself, obviously, he, he lit inside, but he wrote something very interesting. Um, again, the, the Munkatra says that, that he heard that his great-grandfather, Rutsi Melech, had a, a shashit, a lantern of Kesef, and it had glass on all sides, and inside there was a silver menorah to be maduk near Shulchanika. And he says, ki tzedek. When Mashiach comes, then we're going to light outside again. Um, now, only in Zman Mashiach, he says he's, and he, and he, 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 he had this uh, menorah constructed in a way like they have now in Eretz Yisrael in glass that's strong enough to prevent the winds that were blowing. The uh, the Munkatra says that that lantern with the menorah inside of it and the, and the, the glass went to his son, the uh, Rebeliezer, Rebeliezer of Lansut, and, but then it was stolen and it got broken. They don't have it anymore. So, of course, the question is, as you can see, is that even though he had the means to light outside, he didn't. And he actually had a menorah ready for when he would use it. Even though he would be able to light outside. Once again, the question is, why is it so clear that you have to light inside? Is it really Sakana? The, the Bnei Yisrael goes to a, a great analysis about the Gemara. And, he, and he, he shows that according to Rashi, Sakana doesn't mean Sakana's Mamish. It means like they would come and take, the Parsium would come and take your lamps away. And that's very frustrating. They would do that. But that even that doesn't happen today. And his great-grandson asks, well, if you look in the, in, in, in the Mechaber, the Mechaber says, sakana. it's not really a Sakana anymore. And therefore, Lama Kulono Madli can be Bifnim. Why can't we at least try to do what they did in, 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 in what, what happened in Eretz Yisrael, the Munkatra is saying. Now, the Ramos says, no, we light inside. But maybe, he says, in Kraka, there was still Sakonis Mephoshes, Me'anochrim. Because they're going to say, what? You guys are showing your religion? Who will show you your religion? Get into a fight, push them around, break a couple of bones? 
So therefore, they were afraid to do any sort of public showing of their religion in the street. He says, but today it's different. And, and there's definitely many places around that would be able to do it. So the Munkacher really doesn't have a great answer. He sees that his great-grandfather didn't attempt to try to light outside, um, even though it maybe wasn't a situation where you would have been killed or, or beaten up. Uh, an answer to this is um, a cute answer, and we'll end with this, was said by another descendant of the the, the Bnei Yisoska, uh the Kloisenberger Rebbe. So he says the following. We know that the Bnei Yisroskar Mertzvi Elimela Chaisa Ashisha Shokesev Imzchuchas Me'aber Ruchasel. We know he had one, and that's going to be only by the time of Mashiach. Now, we know also that the reason he constructed it that way is because Shaner Yechabe Me'aruach on Hashemes Bechutz. Because obviously, especially in, towards the winter time, there's going to be winds blowing at night. And therefore, he used this, uh, the glass protection. But he still didn't do it, even though it was protected. Maybe, says the, 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 the Kloisenberger, you could say the following. We know that there were these miracles that happened in the time of the Beis HaMikdosh. And one of them was the fact that the wind was not able to move the, the pillar of, 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 of smoke that was coming from the carbonis, it would go straight up, even though the wind wouldn't dissipate it. So now this is a hop from the Kloisenberger. We know there were winds. They also made a takon in the time of, the, of, of Chazal and Bayesheni to light outside. They didn't say that you have to do it with a, a glass. Light outside. People lit. They didn't have all these constructions. This is a naya hamza that the that the that the, the bnei soskarad that the bnei eretzisrael in later generations developed. But that's not the way it was in the time of Chazal when the Yishkarik takana was. How could they do that? How could they make a takana to light outside when you know there's a, a great percentage of chance that the flame wasn't going to last, and maybe you wouldn't even be able to get the flame to start. And we know it's going to rain. We know it's called Yemos HaGishamim. Isn't that weird? So he says, it must be because every, when, they, when you do that mitzvah, you're tapping in to the mitzvah, the menorah itself. The mitzvah, the original menorah in the Beis HaMikdash. That was Homal Menateva. And therefore, in that period of Chazal, when people lit outside, they had a segula, just like the nisim in the Beis Hamikdash, that that the winds generally did not blow out the the menorah. That was like a segula, a miraculous segula, that was an extension of the original Nes Hanukkah, that now extended to everyone who lit outside. He says that that was true in that period, that 
for a while, the miracles, and they were present by the Bali Ruach HaKodesh among the Tanoyim and Amaroyim, perhaps. But he says, today, we don't have that. We don't see these type of, again, the Kloisenberger is saying, even though we had a Rebbe's and Sadiqim with Ruach HaKodesh, we don't see that type of miraculous things. We don't see naceless gnosis. So therefore, we got to worry about, you can't just light outside because it won't work. Because clearly you're not going to light in a place where, where it's going to become extinguished. We find even homes are drafty and, and lights go out. So therefore, the mid, therefore we push it back. Not about the sakon, not about the fact that they're going to beat us up. Not about the fact that, right. It's that the, the, the mitzvah itself developed with a courageous, miraculous aspect, which was light. Yeah, yeah the wind's not going to blow it out. That's not true anymore. It's like the Mesoita are not Baidik to Isha anymore. It's not true. And therefore, um, the Bnei's, that's why the Bnei Yisoscha wrote, Mashiach. that's when things are going to be different. That's where God is going to bring back the miraculous aspect of, of, Hanuk- of Ner Hanukkah. And we're going to be able to light Kedina. So now the problem is <laughs> this shot in the Bnei Yisrael that the Kleisenberger said is schwer. Why? Because he says he's got this thing ready for Yemosa Mashiach, but according to the Bnei, according to Kleisenberger's Shtikotayra, which is very drush, you're not going to need any glass. We're going to go out there and light and, 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 our, and, our, and our Hanukkiot aren't going to go out, our menorahs aren't going to go out because we're sort of tapping into that original miracle, which has now been in this Chadash again with Yemosa Mashiach. So he says, you know, he felt that he wouldn't even be Zoyach. That's, he says, he says, he felt, he felt that he felt that he wouldn't be Zoyach. Why? As he's going to say, and we'll end with this. The Kama Omku in Yonav how deep his holy ideas were. And I'm going to add here, parenthetically, how deep, developed, perfectly analyzed were his, his, his Torah. Incredible, off the charts. His, his, the subtleties that he catches, like you saw before with the Mordechai. And he does that all the time, the, the, the subtleties of language. And he builds from that. He isn't just like, you know, a... a, a a note taker, you know, a fact checker. He actually builds and sees and remembers. And he was incredibly deep as far as that goes. The shiftless Libayakodosh. But he was an incredible onov and he felt that he wasn't really that great. He felt he was, and therefore, that's why Kiyadua, he said, I'm going to have one, but I don't know if I'll have the miracle. So because of that, mine is going to be contained in glass that way. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.